Hi, I know I kept you all waiting for this episode. Not to make too long introduction, I'd probably like to go straight to the point. That might make it easier for me as well. It has been a bit difficult for me to motivate myself to do it. The subject is quite personal, probably the most personal I've done so far, but I'll try my best. I'll try to give you the highlight. I would like to say more about this subject in future as it's um, quite complex and it's quite difficult and there are a lot of things I would like to mention about it, but not to go into too much detail right away. I want to talk about um, my 10 triggers of the OCD. As probably many of you know, the obsessive compulsive disorder known as OCD is quite a common thing, probably more common than um, people realize. I think there's a lot of misjudgment about it and I think sometimes it's treated as something funny, something hilarious. I get irritated a lot by people saying like, um, oh, you're OCD because you've got a clean house. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. I mean, as the name says, it's obsessive compulsive. So there are two factors to it, which is obsessions. You can have repeated worries in your head about stuff. You might have intrusive thoughts. You might have weird urges to do stuff usually causing a bit of a discomfort and there are compulsions so certain activities that you perform certain things that you do repeatedly you do it because if you're obsessing about something you want to let's say reduce the stress caused by it you can check that if doors are locked you can check if things are in order the certain ways that you want them to to be um you can repeat certain things in your head just to make you feel better it's quite a complex and difficult thing like i mentioned and i think it's unfair and i think it's really mistreated by by others who don't know much about the ocd the whole perception in my opinion is wrong it would be nice to put a different light onto it. I still catch myself on daily basis doing things that are out of plan, that I don't know why I'm doing them. And then after sitting down and analyzing what I've done, I just realized that it wasn't actually me. It was just my mind playing up a bit. I think that's enough for the introduction. I'll skip elaborating on it for, for too long. And let's um, start with my 10 biggest, weirdest things that are the part of my OCD. And the number one, it's number one because I think that is something I've had for as long as I can remember. It's um, the paintings and mirrors or anything else that's hanging on a wall not being lined properly. As far as I can remember, even as a kid, I used to go and check things on the walls. I used to make sure that they properly lined. 
And it was odd because if I went to visit some of my friends or if we had some sort of family gatherings at somebody else's place, my eyes were always going onto the things that were hanging around the room. It was quite difficult to focus. I mean, I know some kids were playing and they just weren't bothered about those little things. But to me, I couldn't keep my eyes off it. I couldn't focus on anything else. And whether I wanted or not, my mind kept coming back to it. You know, if you're in somebody else's house, you can't just randomly, especially when there are other people seeing you, um, you can't just go there and say, oh, let me just adjust that painting a bit. You know, now it's perfect, so I can just actually focus on the conversation. It's out of the question, really. But I can't say if nobody was watching, I haven't done that. <laughs> of course I did it. Um, yeah, so that is something that I can remember doing as a kid. And I don't know if it's escalated, but it's got to the point now where I can't sleep easily if I want line everything properly before going to bed. So I can be tucked in, I can just get comfortable, I can start drifting away with, you know, falling asleep. And I'll notice that something isn't lined, so I'll get up, I'll start fixing it, I'll take a few steps back, check if it's done the way it should be done. If it is, I'm back to bed. If it's not, I'll get back to it, do it again. Make sure it's nice so I can actually wake up. Why am I doing it? Um, most likely it's because when I wake up, I want things to be perfect around me. So I put things on the night table in a certain order as well. Partly because at night I don't want to put the lights on. And I just want to find them. So if they in the same place, it's easy for me to, to locate it. But it's also nice to wake up and not having all this mess. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it before I fall asleep just to have that comfort, that peace of mind that when I wake up, everything will be okay. The second one, I'd say, is um, repeating and starting over things to make sure I've done them properly and I've done them good enough. That, I think, comes from my constant need to prove myself probably more to myself than others to make sure that everything I'm doing is done to the, you know, high standards and it's, it's done as best as I can. Um, it's difficult. So from the basic things, like let's say, um, when I used to cook pasta before I was like, I won't say mastered it because I don't think in my mind I will ever be able to master anything. But before I was good enough, if I cooked it and it didn't turn out well, so it was either too overcooked or too undercooked for my liking, I would throw it away and start again. Most of the time it wasn't perfect because I distracted myself with something. So I looked at the phone, someone called me, I called someone in the meantime or something else just completely distracted me. And I felt guilty for not paying enough attention. So I had to start again. I thought, I can't eat that. It has to be redone. I do that with other things. So let's say parking a car, I will reverse to the spot and there will be car 
sort of coming my way and they'll be getting closer and closer. And if I realise that I won't make it and I have to adjust the car, so I have to sort of, you know, pull out a bit and reverse again, um, nine out of ten times I won't do it because, first of all, I'll feel embarrassed that I haven't done it the first go. But I also um, feel like, oh, I'm wasting their time, they're waiting. I'll rather them just go. So I'll pull out, I'll drive off. Either come back to the same spot and do it again when it's quiet. I'll just um, find a different one and park in there because it has to be done properly. You know, all the other things I've done. So if, um, if I failed with doing something, I will throw it away most of the time. Start again. That comes like with the eight photos um, I'm taking for, for the Instagram. If there's one thing I don't like, so... I don't know, there's a shadow of something or I don't know, my hand goes weird, I'll do it again. I usually take about a hundred and something photos and I choose one. I'm never happy with that one anyway. It's very difficult because I try to be as perfect as I can and in my mind it always fails. So it doesn't matter, for example, with the photo, how many likes it gets or how many people actually notice it, it never is good enough. On to the third one, which is um, putting things in a dishwasher. By putting things in the dishwasher, I mean like, if I'm leaving the house, I have to make sure that nothing is left on the table or on the kitchen top or elsewhere in the house, like coffee cups, glasses, nothing can stay out things have to be put in a dishwasher or washed up manually and put in a cupboard there are two reasons for it one is um me being embarrassed if for example somebody would break into the house which is stupid because i know if they break into the house the last thing they will be looking at is whether i left my coffee cup on the table that's just like <laughs> It doesn't work like that. Nobody cares, but I do. So I want to make as good appearance as I can for the potential burglars, basically. I don't want them to think I'm a slob. So if it is tidy, I can leave the house. Also, um, I know we've got the lockdown and all the restrictions on socializing. But before, I was worried that if I go out for a walk with a dog, for example, and come back and I meet somebody on the walk that I know and they want to pop in quickly for, for a coffee or a chat. I wouldn't like them to see the mess. I wouldn't like them to see, oh, you know, he left a coffee cup and stuff. Probably they wouldn't even notice it. But if I noticed that, I would be absolutely gutted. And I would overthink that for days that, you know, somebody actually walked through the door and I left that coffee cup and they've seen it. It doesn't matter if they have or not, I would think they have. I would think it just makes me a bad person and that I failed. I think that's another thing of trying to prove myself to myself. <laughs> the odd one number four is wiping up the sinks. And that applies to the kitchen sink and that applies to the bathroom sinks. The reason behind it is that it crosses me out when there are bits in a sink if it's a little bit of the foam from the soap or if it's like a little water droplets 
it grosses me out, puts me off of using um, the sink. I find it disgusting to use the sink in the public places. Um, it's actually quite nice that some places um, leave the note to um, wipe the sink for the uh, next person that will use it. And it's like a dream. It's literally like a paradise because then I can use that sink without um, having all these thoughts in my head. It's, it's a strange one because the sink is usually to be used with water. And the whole idea is that you wash things in it. I know where it's coming from, but I don't think I'm comfortable enough to talk about it just yet. But I know what triggered my complete disgust towards wet things. Um, I'll definitely tell you all one day. It's, it's one of the strangest ones. And I hope I can work on it to maybe just like, you know, give myself a little break from time to time and not worry about it too much. But for now, everything is absolutely dry. <laughs> the next one, um, like I said in a brief introduction, if you suffer with the obsessive compulsive disorder, you can repeat certain phrases, certain words that you think give you comfort. Um, you might have your lucky number that will always give you comfort. I have got that number. And the next point, number five, is quite a mix of um, something that I was told and something that was sort of planted in my head and the obsessive compulsive disorder itself. That is my urge, basically, it's not even a nudge. I have to sit down when I come back home, when I've forgotten something. Let's say if I'm going out, I've forgotten my wallet, I'll come back home, I have to sit down. And the reason for it is when I was a child, my family always had that superstitious thing about sitting down when you had to return home because you've forgotten something. I'm not superstitious really, but because that was something that kept repeating itself in my life when I was young, I sort of got used to it in a way. So let's say I was going to school, I've forgotten about something that you take to school with you. I mean, it's been a while, so I can't tell you the example of what it could have been. But um, I came back home and mom was like, I'll get it for you, you just sit down. So you just sit down there being petrified because they believed that if you won't sit down, something bad will happen to you on your way. It's quite strange if you think about it. I was just waiting for my mum to come round and when she did, I was just like, can I get up now? And she'll be just like thinking for a second, like, yeah, you can just, just go now and don't come back. Just, yeah, just, just go now. For the time being, when I was still living with my parents, I sort of had that support of somebody who told me like, yeah, you can get up now. It's safe to go. It's safe to leave the house. But when I moved out from my parents, I had nobody to tell me whether it's safe to get up. So if I've forgotten the car keys or if I've forgotten my wallet, I had to get back home. I needed some guidance whether I'm safe to, you know, move or not. As with the OCD, you've got your lucky number. I've chosen mine. Each time I'm coming back home, I sit down for 23 seconds. It's 
just insane. Um, I have to do it. I believe that if I would step out without sitting down, um, let's say I, that's, that's another part of, um, intrusive thoughts. I'll walk out, I'll be on the pavement. There'll be, there'll be a van coming from behind me and it will just run me over and I'll be just like that, you know, flat little piece of pancake left on the, um, on the pavement. So to um, spare myself the embarrassment and spare some extra work for people who would have to scrub the remains of me from that pavement, I just think I'll stick to sitting for 23 seconds. But I'm not superstitious. (laughs) Number six is fluffing and arranging the pillows before leaving the house. So it's another one. I think when I was working on this episode, I realized that a lot of things are connected to leaving the house because I think the house is always like a comfort zone. So strictly speaking, if you leave your comfort zone, it needs all these preparations. I wouldn't say fluffing the pillows and arranging them around the sofa has got the same meaning to me as putting things in a dishwasher. I'm not doing that for people. I'm doing it for myself because when I get back home, I like to have the comfort of things being proper and things being placed as they should be and looking as good as they can. And it's funny because when my family was here, they found it absolutely annoying because they were waiting in a hallway, all dressed up, ready to go. Now I was just still running around the house, checking all the pillows. I think if I came back home, and seeing the mess on the sofa, so like, for example, Freddy's blanket not being stretched and um, not having any creases on it and not his, all his toys sort of lined properly. I think if I came back, even if I went out for like an hour or two, and if I seen it, it would cause a lot of anxiety for me. And I don't think I could focus on doing things that you normally do when you come back home. So I, I can just literally imagine. I mean, it never happened to me because... Like I said, I always prepared before I leave. But let's say theoretically, I left the house. I've forgotten about the pillows. I come back and there might be, I don't know, a bucket of ice cream that is melting in the shopping bag. I wouldn't put it to the freezer first. I would go and fix the pillows first because on my sort of priority list, that's much higher than, you know, something as silly as putting the ice cream to the freezer. Who would have thought? Number seven is cupboards, doors and drawers not being shut. It's not about monsters sleeping there. So when I, for example, go to sleep and the wardrobe isn't shut properly and there's like a little gap, I'll slide the door, of course, but it's not because I'm scared that the monster will come out at night. I mean, if the monster needs to come out, it better do it now. It's just highly annoying because I don't want to see the things that should be behind these closed doors or in the drawers. I don't like things piling up so much that you can't close the door. I mean, it never actually happened to me yet. It's very disturbing because even if I see like some people post their photos on social media and there might be, I don't know, there might be one open drawer and there'll be like things, you know, basically crawling out of it 
it's gonna cause an anxiety rise for me no matter how beautiful the photo is it might be the most artistic and lovely photos that little draw would drive me over the edge the same with doors i mean i'm quite horrible when it comes to that because i might i might go to the kitchen and see that um, my other half did not close the cupboards and i'll be like um oh can you come over here and then i'll go with the monologue about it quite um passive aggressive and petty about um like look there is a nice handle if you just push it the door will close and everybody will be happy and it's not nice when i think about it after i did it i'm not being really happy with myself but at this moment it's more important than anything else so I won't say that I can't control it, but it's very difficult to control it. And when the OCD is triggered, I don't think it's easy for me to actually choose the right words because I want things to be resolved. And I could, I know I could shut that cupboard myself, but at this point, I don't think that way. I want that to be done. I want that to be sorted. And my imagination can run wild with those sort of things. So if the cupboard is like the same height as my head, I will see the whole thing in my mind. Like I'm going to bang my head onto this door. There's going to be a lot of blood and I'll die on the kitchen floor. And if I'm home alone and somebody left the drawer, for example, um, open, I'll bang onto it with my leg and it's going to start bleeding and I'll see the bones and I'll probably just collapse and nobody will find me. And then, you know, yeah, <laughs> I just like it shut. The similar one, which is number eight, is um, not pushing chairs on the table. That's again about the order. That's again about um, things that I see with my imagination that can happen, that are very unlikely to happen but they might happen. So if the chairs are not pushed under the table and they're restricting my movement or they obstructing the door or something like that, I will think like that chair has to be moved because if there was a fire, I will try to run away. So running away to the, towards the door, there's that chair that is obstructing my escape route and I'll probably um, fell over it I'll end up on the floor with bruises or broken leg and I'll never escape this fire because, you know, I won't be able to move or I'll be just walking to the toilet and I'll just um, fall again because of that chair and I'm just going to break my leg and then I'll be completely um, unable to move for another two or three weeks and I won't be able to do anything. I never heard of anybody dying because of the chair being not pushed under the table but I can't explain it to my mind because it's got its own way of thinking. Number nine is the contamination and it's contaminating cutlery and all the kitchen utensils I use. So of course, when I'm cooking, I have to have a different spatula and spoon to stir all the pots. So I won't use the same one that I'm using when I'm making a sauce, for example, to stir the water in the pasta, because I know some people do it, I can't. Or, of course, if I'm having a chicken, I'll use a different one 
for when the chicken is still raw to when the chicken is cooked. If I'm having to cut two different pizzas, and for example, one has got different toppings than the other one, I will use two different pizza cutters to cut them because I would never use the same cutter on those pizzas because, you know, the tiny, tiny bits that you can just transfer from one to another, it's just going to spoil the taste. Probably won't, but it will in my head. Um, The same with spoons. So if I'm cooking a soup or a sauce, I'll be trying it, let's say, 10 or 15 times. And I will use 10 or 15 spoons to try it. So each time I'll just grab a different one to, to taste it. I could rinse the spoon, but I don't believe in that. I'll have to wash it properly. And when you're cooking, you don't have time for it. So if I use the spoon, I will just shove it in the sink and it will wait there until it's placed in the dishwasher. And then if I want to try it again, I'll grab another spoon and I'll try it with this one. It's the same with knives. It's the same with anything else I have to use in the kitchen. I think I'm scared if I add different flavors to meal that I'm making. It's just going to spoil it. And if it will spoil it, I would never have it. I will have to do it again because it's just going to taste awful. And from all that, we are at number 10, which basically sums it all up. And it's being in control of everything. I have that constant need of being in control of the situation. I'm not trying to control people because that would never work. I never actually had the need to control anybody. I have to control the situation. I have to control things. I have to make sure that all the order that is somewhere in my head needs to be kept. Let's say I am the worst passenger that you can have in your car. And I always said to myself, I think, not just me, but a lot of us don't want to be like our parents. I became the copy of my dad being a passenger. Because I remember driving with him, it was like, don't get too close to this curb. Don't get too close to the car in front of you. You're braking too sharp. You're braking too quick. You need to be careful. You need to look in your back mirror to make sure that you can slam your brakes like that because somebody can just smash onto you and you're going to cause the accident. I hated it. I hated the fact that he was always like, oh, look, there's a perfect parking spot for you. I couldn't see that parking spot. So I just missed it. And I went to the other one and he was like, you should have parked in there. And I'm like, I haven't seen it. So I'm parking here. It's easy for me. And I actually seen that one. And I'm repeating it when I'm being a passenger now. I'll be giving the good advice, which I don't like to give. I'll be um screaming that, you know, Dear driver, you too close to the curb in the, you know, less censored words. I'll be horrible. I can imagine myself if I had a chance, I would just ask the captain if I can fly the plane because I'm sure I could do it better. I mean, I know I wouldn't do it better. I know I probably wouldn't do it at all. But in my mind, I can just sit on a plane and I'll be like, mm, that was too sharp. That was too steep. You know, let me tell you, mate, you should do it like this and that. I can show you how to do it. And then I'm just thinking, why am I like this? 
why do I do it? And it stresses me. It stresses me that I can't contribute towards resolving that situation, towards making it better because, you know, I've completely no influence over these. And let's be honest, you know, those people are trained to do their job and I'm not. So why do I even think that way? I don't know. But the controlling bit is probably one of the most difficult ones because you've got that inner fight. You've got a choice between making a fool out of yourself and actually just trying to give that advice to people or just remain quiet, which I try to do all the time. And it's just going to eat you from the inside. And finishing it for today, like I said before, I would like to talk about it more. I would like to elaborate a bit more on the subject. With this episode, I wanted to give you a bit more highlight and I wanted you to understand that every single things, daily stuff that people with the OCD are doing, they seem silly, but a lot of the times they out of control. And they're out of control, ironically, because there's a constant need and urge to control everything. I'm sure a lot of you met somebody who was compulsively washing their hands, who was obsessed about germs and about the order. And maybe they're not as brave to admit that they suffer from the obsessive compulsive disorder. Maybe they checked the door constantly to make sure they're locked. It's all fine, but I think those people and people like me have enough suffering with their own mind that adding a little silly joke about it or making it sound like, you know, you're exaggerating, just man up, get life is the worst thing you can say. You know, pointing out that, oh, you know, you're so clean, but I can see the cobwebs on your wall. This can actually hurt those people more than you can imagine and it's nice to be aware that they doing the best they can some of them will sacrifice their time some of them want rest want sleep properly because they want to prove themselves and do everything as best as they can and i know they do i know they're giving 100 percent. just be kind give them a little bit more credit pay attention to how they're acting, don't criticize, because that struggle is real. Well, thank you for being here. I hope you um, enjoyed it and we can talk again soon. Bye.